Section 3 of My Strange Rescue This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Brianna My Strange Rescue by James MacDonald Oxley Section 3 In Peril at the Black Run there were four of them, Hugh, the eldest, the tall, dark, and sinewy, bespeaking his highland descent in every line of face and figure. Archie the second, short and sturdy, fair of hair and blue of eye, the mother's boy as one could see at a glance. And then the twins, Jean and Charlie, the joy of the family, so much alike that only their mother could tell them apart without making a mistake. Two of the chubbiest, merriest, susiest youngsters in the whole Nova Scotia. Squire Stewart was very proud of his boys, and looking at them now as they all came up from the shore together, evidently discussing something very earnestly, his countenance glowed with pride and affection. When they drew near, he hailed them with a cherry. Hello, boys. What are you talking about there? Archie's face was somewhat clouded as he answered in quiet, respectful tones. Hugh and I were talking about going over to Black Run for a day's fishing, and Jim and Charlie want us to take them too. What do you think about it, Hugh? asked the squire, turning to his eldest son. Well, it's just this way, sir, answered Hugh. The little chaps will only be a bother to us, and perhaps get themselves into trouble. We can't watch them and watch our lines at the same time. That's certain. No, we won't, pleaded Jim, while Charlie seconded him with eager eyes. We'll be so good. Oh, let them come, interposed Archie. I'll look after them. Hugh seemed inclined to hold back, but the squire settled the matter by saying, Take them with you this time, Hugh, and if they prove to be a bother, they need not go again until they are old enough to take care of themselves. All right, sir, we'll take them, but mind you, youngsters, turning to the twins, you must behave just as if you were at church. Black Run was the chief outlet of the lake on which Maple Bank, the Stuart house, was situated. Here its superabundance poured out through the long deep channel, leading to a tumultuous rapid that foamed fiercely over dangerous rocks before settling down into good behavior again. The largest and finest fish were sure to be found in or about Black Run. But then it was full six miles away from Maple Bank, and an expedition there required a whole day to be done properly, so that the Stuart boys did not get there very often. The Saturday to which all four boys were looking eagerly forward proved as fine as heart could wish, and after an early breakfast they started off. Hugh Gennard took the oars, the twins curled up on the stern sheets where their 
elder brother could keep his eyes upon them. And away then went at a long steady stroke that in two hours brought them to their destination. Where will be the best place to anchor, Hugh? asked Archie as he drew in his oars and prepared to throw over the big stone that was to serve them as mooring. Out there, I guess, answered Hugh, pointing to a spot about fifty yards above the head of the run. Oh, that's too far away. We won't catch any fish there, objected Archie, who was not at all of a cautious temperament. Let's anchor just off that point. Hugh shook his head. Too close, I'm afraid, Archie. The current's awfully strong, you know, and we'd be sure to drift. Not a bit of it, persisted Archie. Our anchor will hold us all right. But Hugh was not to be persuaded, and so they took up their position where he had indicated. They fished away busily for some time, the two elder boys using rods and the twins simply hand lines until a goodly number of fine fish flapping about the bottom of the boat gave proof of their success. Still, Archie was not content. His heart was set upon fishing right at the mouth of the run, for he had a notion that some extra big fellows were to be caught there, and he continued harping upon the subject until at last he gave way. All right, Archie, do as you please. Here, I'll take the oars, and you stand on the bow, and let the anchor go when you are at the stop. Delighted at this, gaining his point, Archie did as he was bidden, and with a few strong strokes, he directed the boat toward the run. So soon as they approached, she began to feel the influence of the current, and he let her drift with it. Archie was so engrossed in picking out the very best place that he did not notice how the boat was gathering speed until Hughes shouted, Drop the anchor, Archie! What are you thinking about? Archie was standing in the bow, balancing the big stone on the gunwale, and the instant Hugh called he trembled it over. The strong line to which it was attached ran swiftly out as the boat slipped down the run. Then it stopped with a sharp sudden jerk, for the end was reached, and the stone had caught fast between two big stones on the bottom. When the jerk came, Archie, suspecting nothing, was standing upright on the bow, thought at once like a stone from a catapult he went flying head first through the air striking the water with a loud splash and disappearing into its dark embrace huge first impulse was to burst out laughing for he knew archie could swim like a seal and when a moment later his head appeared above the water he hailed him gaily well done arch that was splendid. Come back and try it again, won't you? While the twins laughed and crowned over their brother's amusement performance. Arch was not disposed to take a serious view of the matter either, and shouted back, Try it yourself. Come along. I'll wait for you. 
when however he sought to regain the boat he found the current too strong for him and despite his utmost exertions could make little or no headway against it this would not have been a cause for much alarm however had not the banks of the, the run been lined with a dense growth of huge rushes through which Samson himself could hardly have effected the passage, while at their edge the water ran deep and swift. Moreover, it still had plenty of the winter chill in it, for the time was mid-spring. Beginning to feel a good deal frightened, Archie called out, You'll have to come and help me, Hugh. I can't get back to you not unquestionably the proper thing for hugh to have done was to take up the anchor and letting the boat drift up down to where archie was haul him on board but strange to say cool cautious hugh for once lost his head his brother's pale frightened face startled him and without pausing to think he threw off his coat and boots and leaped into the water ere a few strenuous strokes brought him to his brother's side the twins in gayless innocence of any danger thought of all this great sport here were their two elder brothers having a swim without first taking off their clothes they had never seen anything quite so funny before. They kneeled upon the steam sheets and leaned over the gunwale and clapped their hands in childish ecstasy over what seemed to them and so intense and diverting. But to the two elder brothers it was very far from being diverting. When Hugh reached Archie, he found him already half exhausted, and when grasping him with his left hand, he strove to force him upward against the current. He realized that ere long he would be in the same condition himself. The strength of the current was appalling. The best that he could do thus, encumbered by Archie, was to keep from slipping downward. To make any headway was utterly impossible. Hoping that there might be perhaps a helpful eddy on the other side of the run, he made his way across, only to find the current no less powerful there. The situation grew more and more serious. The dense rushes defied all efforts to pierce them, and the boys were fain to grasp a handful of the tough stems and thereby keep themselves from being swept away by the relentless current into the grasp of the fatal rapids whose roar they could distinctly hear but a little distance below huge says that the memory of those harrowing moments will never lose its vividness blissfully unconscious of his brother's peril the twins laughed and chattered in the stern of the boat, their chubby faces beaming upon the two boys struggling desperate for life in the rushing water. Even in the midst of that struggle, Hugh was thrilled with anxiety as he looked back at them, 
lest they should lose their balance and topple over into the water as he shouted earnestly to them take care jim take care charlie whereat they both nodded their curly heads and laughed again hugh was now well nigh exhausted and sorrowly divided in his mind as to whether he should stay by his brother and perhaps go down to death with him or leaving him in his desperate plight struggle back to the boat as if that were possible to prevent a like catastrophe to the twins poor fellow it was a terrible dilemma for a mere lad happily however he was spared the necessity of choosing either alternative suddenly and swiftly a boat shot out from the northern side of the run's mouth and in it sat a brawny farmer whose quick ear caught at once hugh's fan though frantic shout for help hold on there my lads i'll get you in a minute he shouted back sending his boat alongside that of the stewards he quickly fastened his painter to it and then dropped down the current until he reached the endangered boys just in time my hearties he said cheerily now then let me give you a hand on board and grasping them one after the other in his mighty arms he lifted them over the side of his own boat neither hugh nor archie was any the worse for their wetting and the twins thought them even more funny-looking in their wet bedraggled condition than they were in the water but neither of them is nevertheless at all likely to forget live as long as they may the time they were in such peril at black run <laughs>